The Bears lose the opener and start the season immediately on the wrong foot. Nick Whalen and I talk through the ups, the downs, and everything to do with a rough, rough Packers opener on this episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody? I am Robert Schmitz, the editor of DeBears Blog, here with Nick Whalen of Football Guys, two Bears fans that just watched the Bears get shellacked, and here we are to talk about it. Now, Nick, oh gosh, what a what a rough one. How are you feeling after the game? I mean, honestly, I was like like third quarter when it was happening, it just felt like I was in a nightmare. And by the end, I'm like, okay, like. It is what it is. Um, you know, there's there's something that's going to give me a little bit of calm here. And, and maybe I'll start that off with the pod. But this this is what settles me down. Okay. We know what happened last year for the Bears in week one, right? Yes. We won, we won a game we shouldn't have won. But did you look across like the landscape of the NFL in week one? Like it was really messy. Yes. Um, the Eagles won by five against New England, which everyone thought that was going to be a joke of a game. The Browns almost shut out Cincinnati 24 to three. I mean, Cincinnati, AFC champ, right? AFC loser at the championship game last year. Tampa went to Minnesota and won with Baker, who the Bears will face next week. Yep. Washington barely beat Arizona with Josh Dobbs. The Raiders went to Denver and beat Sean Payton, which that was an upset. The Rams shellacked Seattle at Seattle, which I think was like the biggest shock probably of today. And then Detroit won. When we saw that one on Thursday night, which probably like has, you know, worn off a little bit because new football's happened. But like when the season just starts, a lot of things can happen. And I think that's part of what the third quarter part, early part of the fourth quarter was, was just like, it was like weirdness because the rest of the game, was pretty steady and we could talk through a lot of that but then it was just like a wave of green bay points and bad plays by the bears and the bears lost well yeah bad got worse really really fast in this game and i'm excited that we get to break this down if only because there i think are some serious coaching parts that we can talk about and can i be honest nick i kind of hate talking about coaching i've i have lived an entire life of being a football fan watching great wonderful fans rap bad player performance under this mysterious umbrella of coaching. Why did we lose? Well, it wasn't because that player is not very good. It wasn't because Jamarcus Webb can't block. It was because of the coaching. What would the mm-hmm. coaching have fixed? I don't know. But Bill Belichick always gets his team playing, and it, yep. it can't be because their players are just better. Surely it wouldn't be, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really don't like talking about coaching because while we could talk about scheme there's an element of attention to detail that we're just not going to really know because we're not in the room with them but man oh man what a bummer of a game on one hand you had a defense that knew it couldn't rush the passer and if they didn't know they couldn't rush the passer what did they think they had on the defensive line right but instead on different third downs they weren't going to send any blitz help They weren't going to run any simulated pressures. They weren't going to do anything that they didn't normally do. Instead, they were going to do what they normally do. 
rotate out of two high into either one high or two high, play standard zone cover two, maybe cover three, maybe Tampa two, and shockingly enough, Jordan Love, despite clearly looking rattled throughout the entire first half, sat back with a great pocket and found open receivers on massive third downs. Massive Mm -hmm. third downs, Nick. We're talking a third and 13 early. Big third and four that turned into third and nine that the Packers breezed past. All kinds of key plays that you and I said that the Bears should have had the advantage. They should have, but the coverage yep. net can only hold for so long. And I can't help but look at Alan Williams and say, what more do you want than Tremaine Edmonds and Jalen Johnson and a better Kyler Gordon and TJ Edwards, who we spent money on, and Eddie Jackson's back there with a second round pick, Jaquan Brisker, like, do you think you need 11 all pros to run this defense? And if you do, should we change it? Should we think about doing something else? I'm I'm pulling my hair out because this is the same defense that you and I would have excused last year as, well, I mean, do they really want to win? And now here we are this year. They were trying with the same plan. Why did they think things would be any different? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um it was it it's almost like because they didn't blitz much at all from what I saw. I mean, they, they had a few twists on. I mean, they didn't even, we talked about the the creeper blitzes or zone blitzes. Like, I didn't see much of that at all. I Anything. saw way more of that from Green Bay. And so it's almost like, you, you know, teams that have a really good pass rush, they're like, well, we'll just get to the quarterback. And then our, our guys, it won't matter how bad they can cover because their pass rush will get to them. Yes. It's like the Bears are flipping that. They're like, well, we can like, shut them down to the back end and then the pass rush will get there, but we're not good enough for that. And the pass rush really didn't get there. Basically the sack, the one sack we had was because love held on it too long. And I think we just like lucked into a sack. Like there wasn't much pressure at all. And the only one I could think of that I remember was uh, there was one Billings had up, up the middle, that forced an incompletion, uh, a dig, I think, over the middle to love. And there was another one where uh, Yannick off the edge was just at least close to him, put a hand up, and that caused an incompletion. But with no pressure, I mean, even even a no weapons, new quarterback love, you're going to have time. You can complete passes. Yep, absolutely. Turns out, Nick, football's a team game. And when your offensive line can give you all day in the pocket, you'll figure it out eventually. And I don't want to sit here and pretend to you that the Bears defenders looked phenomenal or something. I mean, for instance, Eddie Jackson gave up inside leverage on a play where based on one look at it, I may take a look at the all 22 and change my mind, but it looks like Romeo Dobbs broke across his face. And Mm -hmm. I cannot believe that a safety of Jackson's caliber allowed that to happen. Huge bummer. Like those seven points stood as the leading points until, gosh, I mean, technically, I guess you could say the the entire game, but until the Bears scored that second touchdown. But it was, I understand that we talked about this in the pregame pod, that the Packers offensive line was better than the Bears defensive line. But boy, oh boy, did they take their wins and stripes, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they took something that should be, okay, it's an NFL-on-NFL NFL matchup, but the Packers are better, so at least the Bears will get theirs, To Oh, man, they completely outclassed Chicago's defensive line, and I felt like Allen Williams allowed them outclassing the Bears' defensive line to become the defining point of the game, and that makes me frustrated because it didn't have to be that way. You could have tried 
Various blitzes cover with six, cover with five, depending on how many guys you're sending and how you're sending them. Instead, we rushed with four. We didn't get there. Love converted multiple first downs, and I'm left wondering what I'm supposed to be excited about on the defensive side of the ball because it's unequivocally more talented, but we just gave up more to the Packers this year than we gave up to the Packers last year when they're worse. So help me, Nick. What am I supposed to sit here and say, no, this is the good part? I would say it's week one, and there's not a ton of reps in a game, and that's part of it for me. I mean, there's, I think there's play calls. Like, for instance, I got bothered. Well, let me let me break this down at least numbers-wise, and then I'll break down a call that bothers me. So uh, the Packers had 29 plays in the first half for 95 yards, which is, um, I think it was like 3.6 yards per play maybe it was like 3.3 somewhere in there and then they had three plays in the second half which i'm sure we'll talk about for 123 yards and the other 29 plays were for 90 yards so three huge plays and basically a pick six and that was the game right there and and i'm not i'm not like i'm not one of those i'm not taking away but still like the the whole like um ben don't break the you know, we'll sit back in our coverage and let it, you know, we'll hold them to whatever it was. It wasn't working. I mean, you talked about the third down, the third and 13, um, really soft coverage, which I understand on third and 13, but you still need to rally and tackle. Uh, I think it was Romeo Dobbs or Jaden Reed before they get the first down in the first half. Mm-hmm. The other one, he motions inside and Jalen Johnson trails a post which you would let go to the safety and then they completed it out on the outside for another first down on one that we we needed and i think the biggest backbreaker of the entire game was the fourth and three texas route which is a texas route is, is basically an angle yep. you want to think of like a 90 degree angle i know people can't see what i'm talking about but like and and you, you fake outside so you fake almost like a flat route and then cut back inside of tj edwards they were in cover one yeah, cover one which we don't run were you trying to spy love? I mean, we'll find out the all 22, but like that almost seems like something that we don't do. And then let's do it on the, one of the most critical downs. And, you know, they convert for a touchdown. Um, it, it was just a, it, it was weird because I don't, I don't know that green Bay um, outplayed us. I think green Bay hit their shots and I feel like we fumbled a lot of the game away. Well, I I would agree with you, I think, but that what a great segue, by the way, that I can now just bring it to talk about the offense, because defensively speaking, I tend to agree. They hit their uppercuts, basically stunned the Bears and laid them out on the mat using very few plays. That said, I don't want to mute the effectiveness of those plays. You gave up Mm -hmm. 31 points. It wasn't a good day. And worse, Mm -hmm. Nick, it was one of those games that ended so early that we don't even get a true measure of how many points the Packers actually would have scored because you hit a state of the game where you're not really trying to score anymore. You pull Sean Clifford well before the or like you pull Jordan Love well before the game is over. I hate these. Right. Because these this are these remind me of games that the Bears played in 2020, where we would talk about how good the defense was. And it was like, well, the offense scored six points. So once the other team realized that they had 20 and they were like, we're good, they just shifted to their ball control plan. And it Mm. makes the defense's efficiency numbers look a little better because the offense isn't playing competitive football. And you you know what? Along those lines, what scared me, Robert, was 
uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about all this in detail, but when, when Green Bay scored the first touchdown, immediately nightmares of Bears offenses went through my mind. I was like, I hope we score at least seven points this game. And then, and then it was only six at the half. I was like, yep. If we don't score at least seven yes. points, you know, so I mean, probably along those lines, right? To think of like past Bears teams yes. and not be able to score. And I want to start talking about the offense by saying, I think a sane person has to look at the situation and understand that we are in the darkest timeline here. And that's okay, right? They, the Bears have planned around the darkest timeline. In case the Bears are really terrible, Nick, they'll end up with not one, but probably two first-round picks that are really, really high in this next year. There is a way out of this. But man, oh man, what breaks my heart, Nick, is that in that first quarter, I felt like Justin Fields was humming. Not the Bears' offense. The Bears' offense, as throughputted through the quarterback, was doing great. The Bears' rushing offense looked really terrible. I mean, the Bears got better rushing performance between the tackles last year out of Larry Borum, Alex Leatherwood, uh, I think Cody was still playing, but I'm not 100% sure, and Tevin Jenkins. Nate Davis did not help. Darnell Wright was not a positive as far as like the Bears' rushing attack went. Lucas Patrick, unfortunately, looked like the Lucas Patrick we saw and not the Lucas Patrick we dreamed of. And all of these in vacuums are okay. But man, Nick, it felt like the Bears just kept running the ball despite losing up front. And suddenly, you took this offense that Fields was finding a way to get yardage down the field. And look, Nick, I consider myself a pretty honest fan, right? I want to be able to call a spade a spade. And I look at this offensive game plan, and what do I see? Well, Fields was two for two in the first drive for 22 yards. The Bears got to a third and one. They QB snuck it with a play that worked last year. The interior line didn't get any push. So on fourth and one, they did the aggressive thing. They went for it again. They still didn't get it. Is that the quarterback's fault? Not really. Is that even bad play calling? Well, usually your interior should get you the yards, right? Uh, so they turn it over. Bears uh, score. Or, yeah. Can, can, can I? So Go ahead. What I talked about on the last pod that we did, or if you're watching this YouTube, was I wonder if Chicago is going to do the Eagles quarterback sneak play. You have Fields, strong runner, athletic, has the size. He can do it. And they didn't do it. Because they didn't do it. If you watch the QB sneak that the Packers did, they, they motioned Luke Musgrave right behind Love, and he pushed him forward. The first one was Komet, which... I understand. I mean, Casey did that a little bit. You do that when the team, the defense isn't all, you do it when the quarterback's in the gun and, and the defense is all spread out and they're, and then they motioned all down. Then you audible out of that. You don't run that play or you run the toss to Fields, which we saw last year. Right. Then on fourth down, Fields sneaks it, which I get, but push him. And Herbert did like, tried like late, but not really. Like get right behind him. You know what you're doing. Or, idea, wild, hard count the crap out of him. Right. Oh, all these are better ideas, but I've covered so many Bears teams where the play calling has been so bad that I'm just sitting here trying to eliminate variables. And even against a stacked box, you're hoping you can squeeze that yard out. I'm with you in spirit. Just know that, that like there are better things we could do here. But of course, there are better things that we can do here. And unfortunately, that's one of the better called drives of the day. 
Because then, as we continue, we end up with a drive that doesn't go the way that we wanted it to, but that's fine, honestly. Because the Bears march their way down the field behind a Justin Fields that continues to encounter these second and long scenarios. One turns into a third and long that he magicians his way out of with a sweet spin. I don't know, I don't want to see that Chase Claypool was running open at that point as he turned around. But hey, he gets first down anyways, who cares? Like, we're thumbs up. Then we get down into the red zone. We call a bootleg we've been calling since 2022. We get sacked on it. Bummer. Cole Komet doesn't win a one-on-one, but also maybe there was a little bit of defensive holding. Never easy to tell when they're Mm -hmm. scrapping in the end zone. Oh, well, we get three. Could be worse. Right, Nick? And then from there, I swear, every single drive for the rest of the half opened up with a screen or an inside run. And the Bears lost yards on, I'm not kidding, nearly all of them and so from there every drive opened up at second and 10 second and 12 second and 17 at one point and there's just not really much like the quarterback can do things from there but that's a very hostile environment for quarterback success and i don't think anybody would say otherwise right well, no, I, I agree with you. And this was what we ran into last year. And it was weird because Chicago was penalized a ton this game, which there's something they were better at last year. Um, so that, that's one thing that puts you behind the chains. But one person that I was just shocked had a bad game, in my opinion, is uh, Khalil Herbert. I saw multiple runs where he decided he was going to go. The, this was, I think, either on the first drive, I think it was. or Yeah, the first drive, he went outside of the kickout block and I've got no yards on the carry. If he goes inside, obviously he'll get at least four or five or more. And then later in the game, he tries to bounce it all the way outside, outside of, of Rasul Douglas and gets tackled for zero loss on first down. And it's like, be who you are. Later he ran inside, Foreman ran inside, Roshan ran inside and it went well. So I, I don't know. It depends on maybe the, 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 the scheme and like doing what you're supposed to do. Um, but on that drive you talked about, it was like first and 10 run action, which is different than play action. Run actions when you actually pull a lineman. Um, deep shot to Mooney, right? That was that 22, 23 yarder on the sideline, which fields again improvised and found him open. But like passing that first down is okay. You can do it. Like it's I, allowed. I yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's legal to do. And that's the thing. Like, we we only get one look at the broadcast angle, and maybe you get some replays. So if Herbert's missing run lanes, I didn't catch it at this point. I'm So it would be really interesting to see. Maybe the play calls weren't the issue that it felt like they were. But at the same time, Nick, I don't think that there was a play call as abysmal, in my opinion, as, okay, second half, right? We've been running the ball on first down all game long. Right. What are we going to do to open up first play of the second half? Well, obviously it's play action. And if it's if it's play action, it's very likely a bootleg or worse. Worst case, it'll just be a standard play action and we'll send our end in field's face. Yeah, they were right. I mean, Matt LaFleur and whoever or Joe Barry felt like they were living inside of Getsy's head especially starting in that second half region. So you had those penalties that just killed the Bears offense in the first half. And from there, I mean, look, I didn't think that Luke Getze's first couple drives looked all that bad. But starting around that second half, the Packers 
absolutely knew everything that Luke Getzey was going to do. And in my opinion, almost by default, when you're an offensive coordinator and you're getting red like that, like you better have a strong game against Tampa Bay because that is about as bad a signal as a fanalist as I would see. What do you think? No, yeah, because I mean, at some point you want to change it up. I mean, I've even had, th- this is actually funny. I'll admit this. Um, I was office coordinator before. Nice. And I would, I would, I would throw in, I would, I would yell numbers and it was wristbanded to my quarterback. One time I, I said a number and I think he heard a different number or I said the wrong number or whatever. And a different play got called than I thought. And it turned out to be like a 62 yard reverse that we got down to the one like, okay, well, not what I really thought I was going to do. You got to change it up. I mean, there was where there was like what one slant to Mooney. Where's one. the slants? Where's the option routes? Even like a, a quick, you know, stick route or a spot route over the middle, you know, something in rhythm real quick. That stuff wasn't there. It was like nope. screens. Everything was outside. And I understand that if the pass rush was there every single play, let's just do this so no one gets sacked. But you have to trust that Fields can take a three-step drop and just throw it to somebody. You you have to. If you right. can't trust that, or you can't trust that these weapons that we invested a lot of draft capital, money, uh, trading down for, aren't going to get open, then that's a whole nother bigger problem. So like, t- let them take three, five-step drops, and let hopefully the lineman doesn't let just a you know <laughs> an Ole block through, and he can hopefully. get rid of the ball. Like you have to do that. And speaking of the offensive line, I Darnell Wright against Rashawn Gary was a matchup we highlighted in the negative on, on the pregame pod. Not surprised. That's going to yep. happen. I mean, Darnell Wright is going to take his lumps. I'm sure the film isn't going to look pretty, but most rookie tackles are not going to just step in and win. It doesn't happen. And then if they do, they tend to regress later because you're going to take your lumps, whether you take mm-hmm. them early or later. But man, Nick... What a bummer to see that the Bears offensive line looked worse. It felt worse than it did last year. And last year felt about as bad as it could. So you sit here and like you're saying, it's either Getsy that isn't calling these three-step drop packages or it's Fields that hasn't inspired confidence in these three-step drop packages. And we're not going to know. Which one's which? I feel like Fields played a pretty solid game until he very clearly started pressing near the end of the game when he resorted to nearly every bad habit we've ever seen him, uh, like we've ever seen from him. And the game started to spin out of control. But I don't know, Nick. I feel like after, okay, I'm not going to say that. I just can't go there yet. I just can't go there yet. But this is definitely a tough game to swallow. Like Fields has so many tools and I thought he took real steps forward in this one. And it's only one game. If the bears end up still finding their way into the playoffs as some eight and nine wonder team that wins six of the last nine or even weirder goes the Detroit route and wins like eight of their last eight somehow, obviously people are going to be clamoring. Like we have got to stick with exactly what we've got going on. But this felt like, the wrong foot to start on for everybody. And it's one of those where, let me put it this way, Nick, you ever been in one of those group projects where like it went badly and it wasn't your fault. Like it was definitely Sharon and Mike's fault, but like your name is still on the project and you still don't get a good grade. And Mm -hmm. within that, that's kind of how I ended up feeling about Justin today. 
Like, there is a point. I like him, Nick. I really do. I love what he's got to offer. There's a point where you are what your record, what your number, like what your numbers say you are. And Fields isn't there yet by any stretch of the imagination. But those high first round picks, like, they're going to be awfully tempting. And if this is one of those, if this is as good as the resume gets, it's probably not. But if this is as good as the resume gets, it's not a very strong resume. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think, I mean, there were things that Fields did well. I mean, you were, you were talking about, you know, Joe Barry or whomever on defense was in the bag. I mean, two different naked boots were sacks. You know, it's like, man, you guessed right there because there was other ones I saw where that backside edge chased down the ball carrier outside right. zone and tackle them. And I'm like, man, you're just guessing, right? Like maybe they're tipping that off. Maybe that's bad, maybe. but like you count that out. I mean, there's multiple screens where Claypool commit twice missed blocks or like decided yep. not to block. Um, there's another one where I saw uh right tripped on oh, yeah. Claypool and then Claypool decided to let go. So it wasn't a flag. And then it was like, no gain. Like, I mean, that's six plays of 100%. just, what the heck was that stuff? Oh, um, so I feel like that compounds, but I saw Fields change his arm angle. I mean, that slant to 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 more was sweet on time. I mean, really, there were some, I mean, passes late in the game where he was just checking it down. A couple were overthrown, but like the touchdown to Mooney was great. Under like, pressure. It's I can't. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm sitting here saying like I'm out on Justin Fields or something ridiculous like that. It's more that I guess I sit here, Nick, and this reminds me too much of those 2019, 2020 team seasons where everything went from we're going to build the best Bears team possible to every single person that has any power on this roster is going to now do what they can to throw somebody else under the bus to keep their job. And it's week one. It's week one. That we're not there yet, but you lose to the Packers, and it's going to ma- bring up every Bears fan's nightmare that they've just about ever had, right? And so now, all of a sudden, I mean, you tell me, like, what happens What happens if Tampa Bay doesn't go well? Like, what happens if you don't surprise against Kansas City? What happens if then after, we're not going there. Like, it's not, we don't need to be so prisoner of the moment. The NFL season is long, but man, it felt like in that last game, I think I was shocked, Nick, that a team that has invested so much in wide receiver that we talked about how wide receiver is without a doubt one of the best units on the team, let alone Mm -hmm. the best unit on the offense. And we threw so many passes that were called for Cole Kmet and fullbacks and running backs in terms of the screens we were running that it felt as if the wide receivers just weren't the focal point of the game plan. And I just don't know how that makes any sense. Well, I mean, if Fields' goal or the offense's new goal was we're not going to throw interceptions or turn the ball over, it was successful. I mean, that one pass... Maybe I'm wrong. I know people are going to be like, he just stared him down. I am. I think he looked left and thought Walker was going to go left with it and it was going to open the window and it didn't. But that's one. I, I mean, how many bad passes did he truly have today? Maybe, maybe two when it mattered. I mean, I'm not somebody who really tries to count garbage time because if you're going yeah. to count for somebody, you have to count it against somebody else. It's kind of like preseason football. 
right? Mm -hmm. It's about that helpful, at least in my opinion. And early in the game, he had, I think it was 23 attempts. He, at that point, had like 144 yards. He had a pick and a touchdown. And I thought he had placed the ball really well. Yeah, a lot of those throws were checkdowns, but they were hitting guys in the hands. And even Deontay Foreman was turning up field and getting extra yards after the catch. Khalil Herbert was picking up yards after the catch. Like, the ball was coming out of his hands well. It was coming out of his well hands. I don't want to jump Nick and say, like, it was definitely on time. Like, we don't know until we see the all 22. But we weren't taking sacks until right. suddenly we started pressing. And especially after that interception. Gosh, Nick, I, I don't want to sound like some radio talking head. I don't feel necessarily like a radio talking head saying this, though. I was surprised at how surprised the Bears roster was that the game went so badly. Does that make sense? They got so... That's exactly what it was. Because, I mean, I was... It was funny in the first half, I was almost going to tweet, wow, no sacks. You know, and and Fields avoided a few and he, you know... Stepped around some, ran for other yardage. Like, But but I was like, no sacks. Like, nice. And then there was one. I'm like, okay, there's one at the half, you know? And then it was, we can't do anything in the second half. It's kind of where, where it got to. And that's, that's the most troubling thing. It's like, it was, it wasn't just, I mean, cause they scored and then it was nothing. Then they scored basically. And it was just a snowball effect. And, and then you bounced back and then love fumbles it. Musgrave leaks out and they score. Like it was just, okay. And then it was the pick six. It was just, none of the momentum went, went our way, but um, I just, I, I I struggle a lot with throwing Justin Fields under the bus. I know it's going to be super easy to oh, do yeah. with this game, but I, I like we talked about. There was like three missed blocks by screens by receivers, which is that that shouldn't happen. I mean, it wasn't like someone ran over Tyler Scott. They ran through Chase Claypool and Cole Komet. Those guys are supposed to block. Um, so here's here's a question for you. What offensive lineman, and again, this is just from this take, we'll have all 22. Which offensive lineman do you think played poorly? Oh, man. Are you, do, do I have to name all of them? Like, it's, <laughs> it, it, that's no, as in, like, do, do you have to name all the ones that played poorly? Cause it's so funny. Like, I don't remember the Bears having to deal with a lot of pressure from the left hand side. So that would be Braxton Jones plus, theoretically. But mm-hmm. Braxton's two false starts and a holding penalty were yes. bad. And they all really hurt the offense. Darnell Wright played about as well as I would have expected from a rookie. Some people are going to see that as not good enough because he allowed the first sack that maybe undid a lot of good things. Nate Davis got whooped by Devontae Wyatt on a couple of big-time reps. Maybe it was Kenny Clark. All 22 will certainly help with that. Like, I thought Lucas Patrick... I, I didn't see him, I don't know, creating displacement, but when it comes to the run plays, like I'm watching the ball. I'm not even going to pretend that I'm staring down the offensive line. I don't know. Like it almost felt like it was an ensemble effort is what I would tell you, where the pockets didn't feel, I don't know, crazy clean and maybe guys were open downfield. It's hard to know because mm-hmm. of the way that they framed the broadcast footage, but more than anything, it started to feel like the offense didn't have its own idea of how it was going to score. But let's get back to the offensive line. Did you feel like any lineman in particular played poorly? Uh, I thought one played really poorly. I mean, I, I'll, I'm with you on the Braxton Jones um, penalties, but we didn't. I, did, I didn't see at least Braxton Jones get bench pressed back into fields like we saw last year with right. issues with the bull rush. 
So, I mean, that's a positive. And plus, that's a blindside guy. We didn't see Fields get hit from behind and fumble or any of that kind of stuff. Um, I thought Lucas Patrick played the worst out of all of them. Um, I saw him literally get pushed back by – there was a screen to the left. I can't remember who it was to. There were so many screens. um, Where Kenny Clark walked him back four yards, almost hit Fields on a quick screen. I was like, okay. And then I saw, I think, Wyatt just go right by him another time. Um, I think Fields avoided that sack, but it, Luca. I already had this bad vision of Lucas Patrick this, in my mind, right? Already, right? I think you knew this. Um, I I was actually okay with them cutting him and saving that three point nine million dollars. But anyways, that I think we'll see in the all twenty two. I think he played so poorly up front. It makes you wonder: Do you make the change? You're a Feeney. That's why you traded for him. Or you put white hair back there, which apparently has no limitations, and you bring in Carter or put Feeney at guard. I mean, that's one of those games. Look, I sit here talking. I actually expected to be angrier, Nick. Like, to anybody listening, I mean, obviously, that was a molly whopping of a Bears game. And if we'd started the postgame pod like we should have halfway through the third quarter, you probably would have gotten more emotion. But it is one football game. And the best part about football is that the points don't roll over. The Bears don't start against Tampa Bay down 18. They start 0-0. And anything that the Bears do well in that game should carry forward. Now, obviously, if the Bears defense can't get any pressure on Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield picks the Bears apart and the Bears offense can't move the ball against yet another defensive line that's got some nasty matchups. Vita Vea against Lucas Patrick is not something I'm excited about, Nick. But at the same time, getting back to this Bears game, so much didn't work that you would imagine it's going to prompt change. But at the same time, Nick, I think that there's a point in culture that I always get worried about when it comes to a football locker room where Kansas City, being down 21 doesn't bother them. They have been down 21 before. With San Francisco, a quarterback injury, that doesn't bother them. They have been down a quarterback and needed to raise up a new guy before. The Bears just lost 14 games. And we could say what we will about how many of the new Bears are not that team and not on that team. But this is always, Nick, where I get worried about how the locker room is going to handle instantaneous adversity because hey 16 teams lose they're in the same boat as plenty of other teams and there was some sloppy offensive football did you watch the titans game like the titans and the saints had a uh a real slobber knocker of a game that tanhill threw three picks that's what i saw right and they weren't good they weren't good at all but it's still a close game. <laughs> the scrutiny that I know this Bears team is under doesn't help anything. And it maybe that scrutiny is a little bit artificial just because of when they play Green Bay, there's more eyes on the team. And it doesn't help that they were at home. But I don't know. I end up really, really disappointed. Really disappointed that this game wasn't even close. Yeah. Because that feels like every Packers game I've watched for the last 15 years of my life. Yeah, um, I no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I live in Wisconsin. I'm a Bears fan. So, you know, I mean, I, I'm sitting here and I get I'm getting, you know, texts yep. and messages and, you know, yeah. Um, but here here's one comfort that I have that I don't know if you get this, Robert, just being a coach. I I take losses from teams I cheer for. Way lighter 
than I do teams that I've coached because like I actually have an influence on the outcome of the game versus I don't. So that, that's one thing that's like truly different, you know, like, like, well, there's nothing I really can do. I, you know, so it is. What oh, it is. sure. But, um, I have this, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I shouldn't be this way, but I feel differently about feelings. Even during that game, I felt differently than I have about him um, at least the beginning of the year last year or other Bears quarterbacks. When he drops back, like I don't have fear. Like I I don't think he's going to make tons of mistakes or bad mistakes. I mean, he threw the pick. Um, he's generally thrown picks, I feel like, when he's down like two scores and he like he's thinking too much or something like that or for the perfect play. But I mean, that's that's one pass out of a bunch today when they were just teeing off on you. I, I feel a little bit of comfort with him because he's he is making, you know, chicken what out of chicken what. You know what I mean? Like he's right. I mean, he's doing well, I feel like giving given the I mean, think of anyone, Trevor Simeon, Andy Dalton behind all the pressure that you had. Because they, oh, yeah. they even said at one point, they were like, man, Green Bay has pressure on 19 of these. And it wasn't because Fields was just sitting there holding the ball forever. It's just like, that's bad. I mean, one of the sacks he held for a while, and it was uh, the guy came around. I don't even think it was a loop. I think Braxton Jones pushed his guy inside and, and why it came off of uh, white hair. I'm not even going to put that on white hair. It was like four seconds into the play. But I feel a little bit of comfort. And I, and I don't know what's going to happen next year or how this year is going to go. But I don't think that Fields is disastrous. I feel like no. the line and maybe, as you said, play calling could be better. Well, to me, that, Nick, encapsulates why I think this is the nightmare scenario. Because if I was going to rank offensive players, DJ Moore, in all of his two touches, looked really, really good. And chances are the second best player that I'm going to list is either Darnell Mooney or Justin Fields. Because especially early in the game, it felt like Justin Fields was asked to bear, bail the Bears out of a lot of bad situations. And he, worst case scenario, did make things worse. Best case scenario, like that Spinneroony third and 13 or whatever it was, converted something out of nearly thin air and helped the Bears go get points. The problem is, Nick, so the Bears just passed on number one. Like, they just traded down, got a haul, thank goodness they did, added DJ Moore to their roster. In so doing, Poles did not hitch his wagon to Fields because the roster was in such disrepair, but if the Bears end up with a high, high pick and have a shot at, probably not going to get a shot at Caleb Williams, we would hope not. But at the same time, Nick, I mean, Arizona was competitive to the last like drive that they had with the last drive of the game. If memory serves, they were only down four. They yep. were winning. They were winning for large portions of yep. today's game against the commanders. Yep. The Rams, who I think so many people thought had stripped their roster so bare that they would almost assuredly lose one. Like somebody is going to be really, really bad. That person or that team is going to end up number one. And, I just today performances like today make me feel like the saddest part about the state of the current Bears organization is that they have managed to architect a situation where even when Fields does better than I legitimately expected him to do, given that situation, I don't know that it's going to win over George McCaskey. 
and other check signers and other people who could instead get a new quarterback and, ex- and with it get an extension. Because if they're in striking distance of Drake May and they don't even have to give anything up to get him, I just I don't have faith right now that the Bears organization wouldn't make Fields a scapegoat. But it's one game. We're mm-hmm. not at number two overall in the draft right now. Like, oh. it, it's just a huge bummer to see the Packers basically come out of the second half, decide, oh, shoot, what if we just threw to Aaron Jones more? And, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, did it work. I mean, I mean, it was... The, the second one was worse than the first one. The first one, I'm like, yep, you got a good screen in there, you know? The second one was T.J. Edwards is a good coverage linebacker. He made a bad play, and it was fourth down. Like. That's literally seven points that wouldn't happen if it was yep. incomplete at all. You got pressure. You didn't call cover one. Like, I don't even know what's going on. But um, but even like right there, I it just feels um, like Chicago is cursed against Green Bay. That's just what it feels like. It, it feels does. like the Cubs. It feels like, you know, Boston, whatever. I mean, they had a man beating play call on fourth down and Chicago called man. It's like, yep. And then they predicted right on two of the boots when it happened and sacked Fields, which how many boots did Fields even get sacked on last year? Like not many, you know, not that many, especially late in the season. He was able to get the ball out to somebody. But So, so, so it just feels like they guessed right a bunch. And then then you combine that with. You know, a pick, a pick six, which honestly, I thought he was like going to get tackled and then people got lazy and, you know, like it, it, it would, again, the snowball effect, but I'm not going to go there. It's a long season. We've talked endlessly about a lot of stuff with Chicago over the off season. They are better. They won three games last year. They're going to win more than three games this year. They have an easy schedule. As we talked about Robert, we talked about the rest. I know. Advantage, okay? I like, know. All these things. And here's another thing, too. We saw some good play today from Roshan Johnson looked pretty good out there. Roshan looked Johnson like looked he great. Wanted it. Yep. He, he entered the game when the game was nearly decided. And so, again, it always gets strange. To me, it gets strange. Then evaluating how well did that player play against a defense where he's much, much, much fresher than them. But all the same. He was a really fun spark plug. Came in with a number much better than 30. Like, me personally, <laughs> I think 23 is a much better number, especially in Chicago, than uh, than 30 is for a running back. That's fullback's number. Not the point. But <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I have something different for you, okay? Give me. Maybe something that I, I'm just curious what your thought is on this. So, Fields had that scramble early. I I saw um actually no, there's a play earlier. I saw more and Claypool open. And we'll see if there's people open on the scramble. Scrambles, get some yards, gets hit by J.R. Alexander. Legally, I did not think it was legal. Didn't think it was a cheap shot. If you can hit the quarterback, hit him, right? Right. And then we saw Lucas Patrick come over. And we saw all the other bears come over and they were protecting their guy. Mm-hmm. Now do you think that those guys come over there if they don't believe in Justin Fields, if they don't think that he is their leader, if they don't think that he is a good player? Well, that's the thing. Like, of course, I think that that, that they think that he's their leader. 
Just like how I didn't, it's not like I saw, you remember that Cowboys clip from years back when Andy Dalton got hit, hurt, and the Cowboys offensive line didn't even help him up. You know what I'm talking about? That's not something that happened to Trubisky either. It's not like we've got this standard of comparison where we can look at quarterbacks that didn't work out and say, well, dang, their team just hated them. Unless you, that's what you feel. And in this case, we're not there yet with Fields. We're not even close. Again, I thought he played well today until the wheels fell off and the whole offense basically went into the gutter. But somebody has to wear the blame for a bad offensive performance. And it could be Getsy. It could be the offensive line. It could be maybe you think your wide receivers didn't get open enough on some of the downfield passing things. Maybe Fields didn't see them. I don't know. There's so many answers that we don't have because we don't have the all 22. But what I know nearly anybody's going to point to, Nick, is points. And the Bears did not score many of them while the game was still competitive. And the pick six super sucks because that should nearly never be a pick six. Like the amount of offensive players that miss tackles, whatever. That's not their job. So you just kind of rear your head back and laugh about it. And like you're saying, it becomes yet another feather in the cap of, well, so we're never going to beat the Packers again in my lifetime. But at least we know that now. And I could just stop pretending like they will. It's a joke, by the way. But man, do games like that feel like that, right? But I don't know, Nick, because I'm there. I am there. But the bear, we talked on the pregame pod about how the Packers match up to the Bears very similarly than Tampa Bay does. So mm-hmm. what do the Bears do differently? What improvement do we anticipate going forward? Or whenever the Bears match up against the defensive line? Because the the real thing that bothered me about this was there are ways with run action, play action. With with You can use run action, play action to form normal pocket drops. They don't have to be boots necessarily. You can use three-step, one-step gun passing. Like, you can pivot to the pistol. You can run fields on designed carries where Herbert is your lead blocker. There are so many ways to not make your offensive line the primary, like, differentiator and the, the main focus of your offense. But that's not what the Bears did. And I think that has me really worried. Because instead of saying, oh, shoot, that's a matchup we don't like, we're not going to deal with that. It felt like they let the Packers defensive line dominate them. Like they, the offensive game plan allowed the Packers defensive line to be the feature player. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, 100%. And and so so to get Chicago's offensive line to not be the focal point of this offense, you would have to... And I'm actually doing a little bit of math right now. You would have to run the football. That that's what that was the answer. Because last year, and we talked about this, Chicago ran the ball, I think, with 6.7 yards per carry with fields as well in both contests against Green Bay. But I have some gross numbers for you here, Robert. Oh, okay? no. So Fields, again, let's just put this out there. Fields had 275 yards of offense and only 59 of it was rushing. Okay, everyone, can he throw the football? It, it, yes, he, he threw the football. It was fine. A lot were checkdowns, which I understand. But, you know, you're going to do that when you're getting sacked. He completed the ball. He knew where the checkdowns were. He went through progressions. Like, yes. I literally saw it from even the one yes. view. Like, that stuff happened. So, this guy isn't falling. But this is the one thing I think where 
you know, we talked about the big plays that Green Bay had and the pick six, um, even the fumble that Fields had. The defense held and they gave up no points. Now, again, Green Bay had a personal foul penalty on that one, but that was impressive. This is, I think, where Chicago lost the game. Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, and Deontay Foreman. They combined for 19 carries. Do you just want to guess, Robert, how many yards they had? Oh, man, carries. I was actually looking. Isn't it? Like, it's an abysmal yards per attempt, right? Like well, I, I can do that, the, but how many total yards in 19 carries do you think they had? 19 carries. I think they probably had 40 yards. 63. Okay, okay. Which averages too low. 3.32 yards per carry, which is half of what they had the last two years against Green Bay. Well, and so a lot of them right came there, late. <laughs> well, well so, yeah, yes, I agree. Some of them came late. And you could add in, you know, I know Komet had the, we didn't add this in there, but Komet had this, the, the sneak that didn't count. Fields had this sneak that, you know, didn't get anything. Um, so Fields really had eight carries for 59 yards, which is super efficient, like he always is when he runs the football. But that right there, I think, is, is a big issue. And you're talking about what can change for next week. And that leads me to a couple of things. I, I had already talked about how I was unimpressed with how Khalil Herbert bounced outside of mm -hmm. a couple of schemes or thinking he could do something that he couldn't do. He had nine carries for 27 yards. That is bad, horrible for his own standards because he's actually a really efficient runner. Uh, Foreman had five for 16, um, which I, is a little bit better efficiency-wise. And then Roshan Johnson had five for 20, and then he had the touchdown late, which hurt his average, actually. But he had, again, late, six receptions for 35 yards, and he's the best pass protector. I know we thought this was going to happen middle of the season or late in the season, but is having Roshan Johnson your lead back who can pass protect Justin Fields and help this bad line even until Tevin Jenkins comes back? So think about that. When Jenkins comes back, that helps you. That oh, yeah. does. Period. I know if he's not a better pass protector, he's a better run blocker, but it helps you. He was the third best guard for PFF last year. You bring him back, then you put Whitehair at center, and now it's the line that you envisioned. But do you put Roshan there now, even if you don't think he's the best runner, but because he's going to protect fields more, what do you think? I think maybe. If Roshan can handle the load, like if it sounds as if the Bears seems as if the Bears want to do a lot of throwing to the running back, which is fine. I mean, you've seen it like I have. It, you can do check and release stuff where you check if there's a blitzer and then the running back gets out. Maybe they think that Cleo Herbert was going to do more to help with pass protection than meets the eye. I know one other thing, Nick, that doesn't help anything is so let's say Roshan, Roshan Johnson is back there trying to stop whoever's coming. Roshan will help with interior pressure. So that'll help the Nate Davis uh, when Nate Davis allowed pressure from De Devontae Wyatt. But if Rashawn Gary beats somebody around the edge and Roshan doesn't immediately see it, he's still going to beat uh, Darnell right around the edge because I've not seen a lot of running backs bend that far backwards to go make a play. If anything, they may see it and then try to dive out that side to become an immediate check down as if there's an element of, Hey, Justin, you got a shark right near you. Like I need the ball. Well, well, un unless he's going to chip, like if he's going out into a flat, like let's say the right flat, he could chip right. the end and then, and then release the, the other idea. You got to think Herbert would be able to chip though. Right. I mean, well, chipping doesn't take blocking skill. Just takes throwing your shoulder at the guy. Yeah, He looked bad in the preseason. Remember he missed that block on that linebacker. Yeah. 
He did catch. Let's give let's give him. He did he catch did. three passes for thirty seven yards. He had five targets. Um, so he did okay there. But it just it just makes you wonder a little bit. And you know, I'm okay if Chicago leans way more into running the football. Um, you know, you could vary up what runs they are. Even you know whether it's a duo or inside zone or outside zone or counter. Like there's lots of stuff that you can do. And even, you know, Fields is a threat. Like, right. have him hand off and then boot out. Like, that's you, you need to weigh that a little bit more. But I think that takes a lot of pressure off the offensive lines because when it's going to be second and five, second and three, it opens up everything and makes the defensive line not think, hey, it's going to be, I can pass rush. I don't care if it's, it's either, I'm either going to get after Fields or it's going to be a, a halfback screen. Like, right. You're, you're going to create a little more deception, which the Bears need. They need it desperately too. And Mm -hmm. at some point they'll have to crack open the pass game. At some point they will have to be able to throw the ball on first, second down. I mean, it feels as if right now the Bears offense is so tied to the run. I don't think there was anything that was quite as, look, I'm not going to call it insulting, Nick. We don't need to go that far. But even the Bears touchdown drive late in the game opened with the Bears running the ball in the mid-third quarter. Normally acceptable. But when you're down 18 points, I think mm-hmm. it was, it you, you want a little more urgency. And they opened up, if memory serves, with not one but two runs in that drive where they were going to get back to hashtag establishing that ground game. And we talked in the pregame pod about how we that's what we thought the Bears would do, but not there. Like, at that point, you just need to air the ball out. DJ Moore ends up with, did he have more? Did he have three targets? Two catches? 25 yards? Uh, he had two targets, two catches, 25 yards. Man. Man, Nick. Claypool only had two targets. One was that tipped screen, but he dropped it. He still could have got it. I mean, I'm not going to fault him when it gets tipped like that, but he only had two targets. Uh, Mooney had seven. There just weren't that many targets to go around either. Like at least downfield. So quick. Right. And again, I mean, I don't know how things are going to get better against Tampa Bay, but they can't get much worse than they did in this one. At least from a shutdown perspective, the Bears offense was pretty well shuttered until Green Bay, it felt to me, like went to nickel, called a shell defense, and just sort of let the Bears do whatever they wanted to do. And yeah, the the, the one thing that surprised me was because of fields. And again, this, this is what makes me think maybe something was different this year. We didn't see him take a ton of deep shots in training camp. Right. um, Even joints practices preseason because he normally likes to take shots down the field that's what he likes the deep ball he has a a, a long uh eight out we call it so average depth of target he didn't take any shots down the field today did he no in fact i'm actually looking right now at his average depth the tar- target chart would you like to take a guess on fields 37 attempts how many of these targets are beyond 10 yards down the field Thirty-seven attempts. Five, four. <laughs> so you get the pick. You have an incompletion at about the seventeen-yard mark, and then the flick throw to the twenty-yard touchdown, and then the flick throw that he had rolling out. Similarly. So yep. there you go. That's the whole game beyond ten yards. Yep. Where was that? We won't know until we see the all twenty-two. But mm-hmm. as far as wrapping things up, just a little bit because the Sunday night game on, and I really don't care. Uh, it, right now, looking at the score, looks like Dallas is obliterating the Giants, and I just need palate cleansing football. To be honest with you, 
Like it can be nothing football by the time we get to it. I just need something. To me, after all the talk and all the lead up, it bums me out that the Bears are as shocked as we are. And the good news is this will put the coaching staff to the test. I mean, this is a great way to evaluate whether Matt Eberflus, Alan Williams, and Luke Getze are the kinds of guys that can take this adversity and adjust, right? Because like you're saying, Nick, sometimes you get outcoached. It's an inevitability that everybody gets outcoached eventually. Case in point, Matt Eberflus outcoached Bill Belichick, not just last year. Uh, but like, you got to see how a coach adjusts, and the Bears will get the very quick opportunity to, to know whether their yep. coaches can adjust. And I guess not that we want to be tired of talking about this anytime soon, Nick, if things don't go well, if the bears coaches can't adjust, maybe you have to make a decision at the end of the year. But I'm, I'm also trying to walk the line between rage at the situation, knowing how much mess bears fans talked on Twitter towards Green Bay and knowing how that loud, loud sect of Twitter is going to, how that's going to basically tilt conversation about the Bears. Like it's going to be a Bears still suck for quite some time until they at the, least- They'll say that either up. way, so whatever. Yes, but man, it would have been so nice to not be 0-9 in our last nine games, among other things. But what can you do? But even still, there's a game next week. What would what would you say are your final thoughts about this contest? I well, I, I got one other thing that we didn't touch on, and I'll just I'll make it brief. But um, I was disappointed um, in special teams. Um, Santos was a good note. He had two touchbacks, and he yep. um, made everything. Um, obviously, Taylor was fine because he caught everything, and he re, he were you know got yardage back on returns. Other than that, though, Roshan Johnson had a personal foul on a special teams play. I mean, come on, man. And then they allowed some big returns to Green Bay that that changed things. I mean, there was a 30-some-yard return by uh, Reed. He had – man, what did he have in this? I, I should, like, look it up. But he had he had multiple returns for double-digit yards, which, again, as we know, the closer you are to the end zone, the higher the percentages of you actually scoring a touchdown. I mean, the, the – the starting field position game, Green Bay won that as well. So they won Huge. they won on these big plays that Chicago did not have, as we just talked about, and they won on where 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 the field's gonna be, and they won in terms of penalties. Later they had a bunch of dumb ones, but like early on, they, they won in that. So those are big factors. I mean, you add turnovers and sacks into that. And then the last thing is third down. They crushed Chicago in third down. Chicago was three. Of 13 on third down, and Green Bay was 9 of 16. Those always, are things. Go ahead. I always wish that that got cited with depth of target on third down, too, because mm -hmm. the Bears encountered so many third and 10 pluses, including yeah. a third and 20, that there are some of these third downs where, yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected them to get them. But at the same time, Green Bay converted so many of their third downs that mm -hmm. when you're living above 50% on third, you're going to keep a lot of drives going. It was... Mm -hmm. It was infuriating. It felt like the team that shouldn't found a way to, and the team that could have found a way to not. You yep. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That that's how it felt, and that's. I mean, I know that we we all carry you know some type of, of bias within within this, but Chicago definitely did not play up to, I think, even the potential that 
everyone had, not not just Bears Twitter or Bears people. Um, and I think Green Bay played better than people thought. Uh, and so, you know, over 17 games, that stuff's going to even out. Um, the other thing I just want to touch on was I only saw one injury, Kyler Gordon, right? And hurt his hand. Is that correct? Yes. Hand did he injury. come back? No? I didn't. I didn't see it. But okay. maybe he did. I mean, that was where I definitely would tell you that I was working on the computer a little bit more than I was like watching, watching yeah. the game to see if he got back in. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that would be unfortunate to, to lose him because he had arguably the best camp of any player. Bears and he player, had a really I... good game. Like started with the sweet pass breakup. Like there are players on this roster well worth being excited about. This isn't last year per se. And even last year was part of a process. Like Nick, the good news is, is that you look across the NFL landscape and the Bears talent is getting there. And what they could end up, again, in the worst case scenario, is a treasure trove of draft picks that'll help them get even more talent. I mean, mm -hmm. Kyler Gordon coming along, Jaquan Brisker, if he becomes whatever he wants to. I thought Pickens and Dexter were clearly decent enough that I didn't notice them every single time they ended the game, despite the fact that the Bears' defensive line was so-so, and I want to take a stronger look at what, they were, what they're doing. They're rookies anyways. I don't know, man. Like... What, what do you think? What do you think Green Bay average per rush? Uh, it's is it actually that much? Honest question. Like, what is it? Two point nine. I was gonna say, like the Bears set out to stop the run game. They forced a lot of long third downs. It was ironically those third down situations that just completely undid them. I mean, we could have made jokes early on in the season where it's like you're gonna. I, th I even think I may have said early on in our podcasting, like the Bears are going to try to get stops by forcing so many third downs that you can't possibly convert them all. And <laughs> unfortunately, Green Bay converted a few too many in this yep. game. But, oh, man. <laughs> it's what a game, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to end with how I started. OK. Cincinnati, Minnesota. Denver, Seattle, Kansas City fans feel the same way. And Eagles fans, I even saw, they were like, whew, we beat New England. It's one week. I saw progress from guys. I saw guys didn't play up to their potential. And to me, that gives you hope. They're better than they were last year. We knew this wasn't going to be, I mean, I think we pre predicted, what, eight or nine wins. Right. Maybe, it, maybe it's seven, eight now, whatever. Like, they're in that range. You're going to lose some games that you should win. You're going to win some games you probably shouldn't. It's going to, it's all going to balance out over the end, but um, it just sucks. And we'll see how they do next week. And honestly, you're going to learn a lot about a team with how they bounce back. Cause this is a team where you got more guys that are athletes and how is Flus and company going to coach them up? How are the veterans going to, okay, now we have to put more work in and we need to make adjustments. I mean, because again, like you said, if it's 0-3, that says a lot more, I think, about the coaches than it does anything else because you're supposed to get them to bounce back. Yep, that's the job. And I mean, if Bowles and that Tampa offense, or not even the offense per se, if Bowles and that Tampa team come back and defend their home turf, whereas the Bears don't bounce back enough, you got a problem. Like you sprung a leak. I mean, let's put it this way, Nick, because I think I think I get where you're what you're saying, where I look at this and it's like, well, from an individual data point perspective, this is a very bad data point. The good news is we can wrap it up in a little bag and leave it there. But 
a trend is when you get two data points pointing in the wrong direction. And I hear what you're saying. The Bears end up one and one. I mean, process matters a little more than results, in my opinion. But if the Bears do find their way to one on one, one and one, they bounce back, then we could look at this and say, well, we're always cursed against Green Bay, right? Especially mm-hmm. if Chris Jones misses that Kansas City game or if Travis Kelsey doesn't play in that game either. Apparently, anything's possible because I didn't think Detroit played a particularly phenomenal game. But no. guess, I mean, in November and December, they're still going to score that one as a win, which is exactly what they needed from it. So Mm -hmm. there's a puncher's chance all the time until you take too many. And so we'll just have to see what happens. But we will. We will. And and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. A little hope for Bears fans. We'll talk about this on our our pod midweek. Tampa Bay won. (laughs) They averaged 3.6 yards per play. It was so bad. (laughs) <laughs> and they won. So it's like they didn't even play that great. So, you know. It was it would have been a great day. It would have been a great day for a win because you would have taken a huge step over the rest of the division. But we'll see. Either way, uh, we are Nick Whalen and Robert Schmitz. We're right here on Twitter. Nick, what's your handle? At underscore Nick Whalen. Underscore Nick Whalen. So check him out and all the work that he's going to do. You can check my handle, Robert K. Schmitz, for film breakdowns, not just on this channel, but also across Twitter nearly all tomorrow. As soon as I'm able to get the film, we'll be going through it so that we can see exactly what did and didn't happen. But until then, Bears fans, enjoy the evening as much as you can. Enjoy the morning if you're listening to this in the morning. Obviously, this isn't the result that anybody wanted, but it's one week. So. Until then, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with us.